If you're joining us for the first time this evening, either in person or online, I usually preach from the scriptures assigned to us by a tool called the lectionary. It's a schedule of, of scriptures assigned week to week based on the life of the church and the church calendar. I love it because it is an accessible way to read the Bible in a way that mirrors what might be going on in the life of the church. And anyone can access these readings. They are uh, an online website, and if you're interested, you can ask me after. I'd love to give it to you, or Journey will post it in the comments section for our friends joining us online. Uh, it's a great way that I have used to order my own devotional life as I read through the scriptures throughout the year. Uh, but we are now in a season called Epiphany, which begins the Sunday either right before or right after January 6th, and it lasts all the way through Ash Wednesday. But if you look at the assigned readings for this season, you'll notice that the, all the gospel readings are from the Gospel of Matthew, except for the reading for this evening from John chapter 1. So my question for us this evening is, what is it about this passage that is so important that we needed to disrupt the prescribed pattern of reading? As we consider this question together, I invite you to also consider this story from the perspective of the disciples. What might they might be feeling and experiencing? So get comfy and enjoy the story as we peer into what the disciples might be feeling. And I'm reading from John chapter 1, verse 35 through 42. The next day, John was standing again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus walking along, he said, Look, the Lamb of God! The two disciples heard what he said, and they followed Jesus. When Jesus turned and saw them following him, he asked, What are you looking for? They said, Rabbi, which translated as teacher, where are you staying? He replied, Come and see. So they went and saw where he was staying, and they remained with him that day. It was about four in the afternoon. One of the two disciples who had heard what John said and followed Jesus was Andrew, the brother of Simon Peter. He first found his own brother, Simon, and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which is translated Christ. He led him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which, which translated Peter. My friends, this is the word of God given to us as the children of God, and we say, thanks be to God. This evening, I would invite us to a prayer by Ted Loder, uh, which calls us into a space of wonder. Will you pray with me? O oh God, your gracious spirit moves over the mysteries of living and dying and is strangely present to me in the falling leaves, 
the call of wild geese. A child's birth, the light in a friend's eyes, the sudden lifting of the heart, and the deep longing which brings me to you now. Make us aware of your presence, that wonder may have its way with us. Passion, be released. Confidence, renewed in the depths of your holiness. Until for a moment, our longing for you will be fulfilled. And we know that we are free in your arms. Amen. So at this point in the biblical narrative, the action has been primarily dominated by a man named John the Baptist, who was a rather peculiar-looking man. According to Mark's gospel, he could often be found in the wilderness wearing clothes made of camel hair and a leather belt around his waist eating locusts and wild honey. He gathered a following of disciples who loved listening to the hopeful stories of a coming Savior, someone who was much greater than he, the true light, he called him. He offered a physical sign of hope in the form of baptism through water. People would flock to him, inspired and curious about this elusive one who is yet to come. Such was the case for these two disciples in our story this evening. We can imagine that they were so drawn to John's stories and hopeful witness that they found themselves at his side once again. To hear the stories, capture the hope, and be curious about what this person, this Christ, might mean for the future. As they stood aside on the grassy knoll listening to John's prophetic ramblings, John stops mid-sentence and shouts, Look! Quickly, the disciples turn around to look in the direction where John was pointing. Finally, seeing the mystery man John had been preparing them for. But instead of a battle-ready warrior on horseback, or a proud man of nobility, as their childhood stories might have prepared them for, instead of seeing this person they expected, they saw an ordinary man with worn sandals and a dirty cloak walking toward the center of town. So with timid steps, careful to not draw attention to themselves, they moved to follow this ordinary-looking man. We could imagine that their minds were swimming with curiosity. Can this really be the Savior? But he looks so normal. Who is this man? Despite their effort to remain unnoticed, Jesus turns around and asks them a question fraught with meaning. What are you looking for? Frozen in place, I can imagine them stammering to come up with an answer, almost like my three-year-old Christian does when I find him in the kitchen reaching for a cookie on his tippy toes, uh, which are typically reserved for dinner. Rabbi, um, where are you staying? 
the disciples ask. And as if Jesus were replying to this question in every question they might have had since first hearing of him from John, he responds with a simple invitation. Come and see. Come and see where I'm staying. Come and see. So they do. In fact, the scripture tells us that they spend the entire day together in the presence of Jesus. Then, at around four in the afternoon, Andrew, one of the two disciples, gets up and darts to find his brother Simon, exclaiming, I have found the Messiah. Something profound must have happened over the span of that day with Jesus. Something powerful that transformed the disciples' questions into undeniable faith. While scripture doesn't say exactly what happened, I think it might look a little bit what, like what we experience here, together. Something happens in this room week to week where we seem to maybe tiptoe after Jesus with new questions and new curiosity, hoping for a spare minute of his time, where we find ourselves following Jesus' invitation to come and see again and again, discovering and uncovering something new about who we are and about who Jesus is. But the beautiful thing about this story from John this evening is that it doesn't stay in the room where Jesus invited the disciples. It isn't a story about the questions or the curiosity, even though they may be important. It isn't even a story about the encounter with Christ itself. It's a story about what comes after, what comes next. It's a story about courageous witness. Because whatever it is that happens in the presence of Christ, the powerful moments of aha, or the peaceful moments of worship that seem to take place anywhere that Christ is, those moments are not meant to be bottled up or held close just for ourselves. Those moments, those stories, are meant to be shared. But sometimes, sometimes stories don't do these profound moments justice because there are simply no words to adequately describe the feelings, to adequately describe what it feels like to be in the presence of Christ, to be gathered together as one body. I wonder if this is if this was Andrew's experience as he bolted from Jesus' presence to share this epiphany, this good news with Simon, when he reached his brother and panted out, I found the Messiah. I can imagine that Simon was just as curious and maybe a little bit skeptical as we come to find out Peter will be later. Without knowing exactly how to describe his time with Jesus, Andrew extended a familiar invitation. Come and see. 
Come and see for yourself the good news I have found. Maybe this is what it looks like to be a courageous witness for Christ. Maybe it can simply look like extending an invitation, the same invitation that Christ first extended to us, to come and see. Last night, I attended Dessert with the Pastors, a gathering of people at Steve and Catherine's house of those who have started attending here at Trinity and are interested in knowing more and learning the next steps about how to get involved and how to become a member. Part of the common practice in this gathering is we start with introductions and asking the question about how you first discovered Trinity. What is unique about last night's dessert with the pastors was that four college students came and gathered with us. They're students from UF, but as we got around the circle to their couch, they were all sitting on Stephen Catherine's couch, we got to the first college student, and her answer to how they, she found out about Trinity was through Stephen Catherine. Because she grew up at Harvest in Lakewood Branch, which is their former, uh, where they served before coming here. And so when she came to UF and got her feet planted, she wanted to come and see. And so she did. And then the following week, she talked to her roommate, the girl sitting next to her on the couch. And she said to that girl, Come and see. You have to come and meet my pastors. And then that girl spoke to a classmate, the next girl sitting next to her. Come and see this place called Trinity. And that girl brought her significant person. Come and see what I have found at Trinity. Come and see. And because that first college student extended a courageous invitation, four young adults are discovering what Christ is up to, not only in and through our church community, but what Christ might be up to in and through their own lives. Come and see. So friends, I believe that Christ is indeed up to something really special here at Trinity, not only in this service and not only around this campus, but across our entire community, through the hearts and the lives of us. There's an excitement that I can only describe as the power of the Holy Spirit bubbling forth into something new. This excitement, this invitation, this come and see, is part of our DNA, not only as Christ followers, but as people who are deeply connected to our church family here. Because at Trinity, it's our vision for our community. We believe that we are called to be a courageous witness for Christ by welcoming all people. And as we welcome all people, 
we do so how? By extending the invitation Christ first offered us to come and see. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.